to all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm gonna call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're gonna love the exhausted educator in What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the Exhausted Educator Show. In this episode, we are going to bring you all kinds of resources. My good friend, Dr. George Tilson, is going to join us, and he's going to share all kinds of amazing knowledge. He's one of the most knowledgeable individuals I've ever met in my life, and he's going to give you all kinds of resources. This is a resource-heavy episode probably different than any other episode we have done in the history of this podcast. You're really going to enjoy listening to what he has to say and share some of the knowledge he has, specifically about helping individuals with disabilities transition to adult life. But before we get into all that, let me first say, congratulations, you've made it. You made it to the end of this hard grinding year. Give yourself a pat on the back, you deserve it. Whether you're a teacher, a paraprofessional, or administrator, your work is hard, but it's so incredibly important. Thank you for all you do out there in education land. You deserve to take some time this summer to unplug from the education life and just focus on you, focus on your family, focus on fun, and help to recharge yourself so when the fall comes, you're ready to roll again. And speaking of the fall... I want to throw out this reminder. If you haven't heard our episode on student mentoring programs, you might want to go back and check that out because coming up this summer so that you can be ready in the fall will be our project that we've been working on, my wife and I, in helping classrooms and schools roll out a student mentoring program. We have packaged up an entire student mentoring program for you so that you can actually designate some kind of leader, whether you're a teacher and you want to make a parent a leader, or whether you're a school leader, an administrator, in a leadership role in some capacity, if you want to choose a parent or a few parents or a paraprofessional to lead this charge, that is how we created this program, so that you can have somebody run this whole student mentoring program for you. That means helping you with knowledge about recruiting, giving training videos for your mentors, information for your teachers, all the documents you're going to need to get things up and running, helpful tips, helpful tricks, even right down to this one called the car hopper. You can have, you know, all those parents who come by and they're picking up their kids, but they're there early. Give them a car hopper pass. They take this sticker, they put it in their window, then keep their car where it's at, and then they go in and mentor for 20, 30 minutes and come back outside and their car is still in the same place. My wife had this great idea, and we talked about this a couple months ago. Since we, a lot of schools have parents or caregivers who show up so early to get their spot in line, maybe you can recruit them to help you with your student mentoring program. Again, go back a couple episodes if you want to find out more about that. That's coming up, but I bring that up because you can find out information about that, and you can actually get on the pre-sell list. That doesn't mean you pay right away. That means you get on the list. 
And when it comes out, I'll hot off the press. You'll be one of the first people to get it, and you're going to get everything for next to nothing. What I've actually been saying when I've been guests on other people's podcasts was that the goal for the winter and coming into the spring and into the summer was for me to work on a book, and I'd actually talked with some people involved with publishing about a book, but this particular project had been gnawing at me, and my wife and I talked a lot about it, and so we decided to put the book away, and I say that because this whole program, we're just trying to get out to the world, it's going to be like the price of a book, an entire program at the price of a book if you get on that pre-sale list. So check it out at rechargefamily.com or just shoot me a DM on social media or you could always email me rechargecommunity at gmail.com. We'll get you on the pre-sale list and then you will get access to it as soon as it comes hot off the press later on this summer so that you have enough time to package everything together and get things rolling early next year so you can have an awesome student mentoring program relying on those people in the community, parents, maybe existing staff, maybe some of those staff members who are working in the district office, college students, who knows, maybe you want to link up with high school students. We provide trainings for everything, the documents for everything, all of it. So I hope you'll check it out. You also want to make sure that you stay tuned with us throughout this summer. This is the last episode of our season, which I can hardly believe. It's been a great season. I've loved all the time spent talking to you. And I've really enjoyed the time spent talking to guests on this podcast. But heading into next year, stay fresh with us at Recharged Family on all the socials. So enough about us. And my apologies for that big runway up to what we're headed to. Let's get into it. It's time to get recharged, people. Dr. George Tilson is truly an amazing human. I have learned so much from this guy, and I actually share some information during this interview about how when I started on my journey in my new position about five years ago, I did not know much about transition services for individuals with disabilities. I really didn't know much, but I was given a gift, a big gift. In the state of Delaware, we've been so fortunate to have a team of people who get together and look specifically at how we help individuals with disabilities and transition them into adult life, whether it be college-bound, whether it be career-bound, independent living-bound, trying to get kids to understand how to be successful and giving them the tools, have them learn how to use tools so they can be successful and advocate for themselves as well. George was part of this team, a big part of this team, and still is today along with some other people I have a whole lot of respect for. George Tilson has an incredible bio. I'm not going to dive into everything he's done. He's actually gifting you all these resources, and one of those is an entire page of all the things that he's done, and that doesn't even include everything. I will tell you, he's been at it for almost 50 years as an advocate for individuals with disability, and as impressive as he is, he's just an incredibly humble person as well. He spends time with anybody to answer questions about whatever it is that they would like to know about. Truly a magnificent human being. And I'm not just saying that because he's a guest on this podcast episode. I'm telling you, everyone who comes in contact with this guy walks away amazed. He just cares. He just cares about everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm super excited to share this episode with you. Thanks for giving me all this runway and this long intro. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. George Tilson. Ladies and gentlemen, I am stoked, absolutely excited to have a special guest on tonight. A good friend of mine, I've known for a while, I've learned so much from this guy. George Tilson, thank you so much for jumping on with me. Hey, Kyle, thank you for having me. <laughs> George, I always I always start with the journey. Whoever comes on the show, just give us a little bit of info on, on your journey to get from where you started all the way to, and you go back as far as you want, all the way up to the amazing things you're doing now. Wonderful. Well, yeah, that, that's a great, great question about journey because I, I think my, my own career journey reflects what most of us experience. It's more more often than not, like this wild, wonderful you know, road from that first, you know, hmm, I, I think I want to be a fill in the blank to where we find ourselves now, right? Uh, years later, in, in my case, as a kid, I was was very involved in theater and the arts. And so I envisioned myself as a famous actor or designer, you know, my first major in college, in fact, back in 1972 was theater. And that's also when I discovered pretty quickly that there were lots more talented people than me. And that they were willing to work a lot harder than me. And uh, but it also, you know, uh, it introduced me to a director of an arts program for kids, which promoted inclusion of students with disabilities. Quite amazing back in the day. Yeah. And that led me to teaching and which, if you think about it, is a lot like theater. Right. So I became an English and education major and I began my teaching career in Texas, working with students from kindergarten through middle school. I continued that career up into the Washington, D.C. area where I relocated and I was working with high school students at that time and then on into grad, uh, you know, grad school at George Washington University. Um, by the way, I, I, you know, I never forgot my theater roots. Uh, be sure to remind me, Kyle, about the <laughs> importance of avocations <laughs> as part of our career lives. So let's see, in, in grad school, I concentrated on career counseling, just as the federal government was starting to fund these innovative grants in a brand new field called transition. <laughs> and here's one of those unexpected twists in the road. Um, I was teaching university students when a friend of mine said, you know, the Marriott family, yeah, the hotel people, the Marriott <laughs> family is starting a foundation for people with disabilities and they want to focus on youth employment. So lucky for me, I was in the right place at the right time. They hired me and I helped them develop the Bridges from School to Work project, which you know, I eventually became the national director of that program and overseeing operations in eight cities. And you can imagine the amazing people that I met along the way and the opportunities to try new things out which is how I connected with you yeah. and all the amazing people in Delaware. Um, you know, for 25 years now, I've been crossing that Bay Bridge to work with uh, educators and human service providers, and employers, parents, you know, students. And for the past 10 years, I've been fortunate to have my own consulting and training company, which if anyone's interested, I, I know I gave you a ton of uh, handouts, and one of them is my bio, and uh, so people can find out more if they would like. So 47 years later, wow. here I am. Wow. That's White amazing. It's still looking sharp as ever. Ah, thank you. <laughs> uh, George, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, when I came into my current role, we didn't really have a, a, 
a specific transition services person for our student services department to oversee for the district. So I started going to these uh, statewide meetings that we have, and that's how I met you and some of the other amazing people in the Department of Education who are working there. And I came in pretty much like a blank slate because all of my experience had been at the elementary level for the most part. And what I really knew about transition services as far as it related to an IEP was that was the page I didn't really have to do in the IEP because it was elementary. And I remember um, just sitting back and, and soaking up so much knowledge that you tossed out over meeting after meeting after meeting. And I do not even want to, to say that I'm, I'm, I'm on the cusp of knowing everything I should, but I know I'm in a far better place than I was when I started. And that's a big, uh, big thank you to you and, and everything that you've done for not just for me, obviously, but for all the, the educators in, in Delaware. You do tremendous things. I want to back up one second and just you, you threw out the term avocation. Uh, could you tell us, you know, why that's is an important part of like career development and transitioning to, to adult life? Sure. Well, you know, avocation is just a, a fancy word for things that we do for fun outside of work, right, uh, or outside of school. And it can include a hobby or recreational activities. And some people have avocations that eventually do turn into career opportunities. But the main thing I want to emphasize is that they give us balance in our lives, right, and a way to energize ourselves. I have friends who are into fishing and boats, all kinds of sports, you know, video games, cooking, arts and crafts, you know, helping their places of worship. Uh, podcast interviewers like you <laughs> and so forth. So in my case, as I mentioned before, I was a, a, a theater was my hobby, seeing shows and writing them. I've written about 20 plays at this point on all sorts of topics, including a couple of musicals. And uh, in fact, one of them was produced here in Delaware <laughs> uh, back in 2018. It's called Boundless, a Musical Journey. And it's about a really important march for civil rights that happened in 2004. Um, several hundred people with disabilities and their supporters walked or rolled all the way from Philadelphia down to Washington, D.C., and they were camping and protesting along the way, demanding better services and living conditions. And we had 25 actors with disabilities perform the show. And by the way, anyone who wants to see the the, the, the link to, to the show, they can see that in my theater bio. And another point I want to make about avocations is that if students have a current hobby, they need to make an inventory of all the skills they use for that hobby because this information can give you great ideas for how to transfer those skills to a possible career. So I would encourage all your listeners to help young people, actually people of all ages, to analyze their avocations for skills that they demonstrate through that avocation. Great, great. Wow. You do, every time I talk with you, you peel back another layer of the onion, George, and like, there's so many things you've accomplished in your amazing career. Um, every time, every time I chat with you, I feel like I, I learn a little bit more. My goodness, you just an amazing career. We're going to talk, and we're going to dive into you know, like transitional services, really looking at students with disabilities. Could you kind of give us some tips on how we how we might explain uh, what we mean with transition for our students with disabilities? You know, absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if you think about the word transition, I just want to start out with this. If, if, I, if I said the word transition to my neighbor, for example, they would probably picture a whole lot of different examples. You know, our lives are made up of one transition after another. So, you know, when we move to a new community, transition. When we enter a new relationship, well, that, that's a transition. Um, as we progress through each 
you know, grade level in school, you were an elementary school teacher at one time, we're making transitions, aren't we? Uh, you know, your listeners, I, I want your listeners to sp- help us spread the word here in this conversation. We mean transition to adult life, yep. preparing all students for life after high school, planning for the future. I'm going to throw some buzzwords out here or planning for what's next in your life, even building skills for life. You know, think of it this way. Everything we do from the time we're little bitty kids through our teenage years and young adult, uh, young adult years is a part of transition to the future. So every class we take, every extracurricular activity we participate in, our life experiences at home and our neighborhoods, you name it, all our interactions with other people, every work experience we've ever had, you know, volunteer or paid. I would even say our attendance at school and, and some of our behaviors in school are part of our transition to adult life. And so transition is for everyone. But I mentioned earlier, I believe, that the federal government started expecting schools and their community partners to begin ensuring that students with disabilities would have those extra supports they needed to prepare for the future. So now we have federal and state laws that require us to do that. Yeah. You know, George, when we're talking about transitional services for students with disabilities, it we always, we always talk a lot about when should this process begin? You know, when should we start to look at, you know, avenues for career development or avenues towards, are you headed to college and what are you looking to do in college or what pathway you're looking to take? So could you kind of give us a little bit of information on when this whole process should begin and and who should be involved with the process? Sure. Well, well, Kyle, you know, again, I, I believe we should be start. Uh, we should start talking about transition to adult life starting in preschool and even earlier. Why not help families and teachers and students feel excited about the future possibilities for them? Um, one of the handouts that I, I, I sent to you is called the Transition Continuum, and it's something that I developed with my wonderful colleagues, our wonderful colleagues in Delaware, to show that transition is for all students, and that there are certain things we can do to ensure that our students with disabilities. Um, and other life challenges get the the supports that they need. Uh, You'll see the adult outcomes listed on the far right side of that chart, employment and career, further education and training, independent living or adult responsibilities is another way to think of it, avocation, there's that word again, and (laughs) recreation, and community membership and contribution. And all of a student's life and school experiences, we hope, will lead to meaningful adult outcomes. By law in, in Delaware, a transition to adult life becomes part of the official IEP process when a student is in eighth grade or turns 14, though in some states it's 16. The easiest way to think of this, I think, is planning and preparing students for their transition after high school becomes the focus and the driving force behind the IEP and all the discussions and planning with the student. The student and their future become the center of our attention. Okay. Interesting. You know, you kind of hit on something there as far as like the idea of even going way back to our, our, the looking at at the preschool level on having an eye for the future. Traditionally, we've always talked about like eighth graders or turning 14 years old is, is that's kind of like the hot, the hot time when you really start to ramp things up. But I, I really think that you're, you're spot on. You can't, you really can't start too early looking at not just where they want to head or where they may head, but also the skills that are involved uh, that will allow them to get there. And speaking of skills, you know, one of the key terminologies that has popped up in the last few years, although it's been around forever, 
is self-determination. So when we talk about self-determination, do you want to kind of dive into like what that, what that really means, what, um, what that does for, uh, as far as like a student who's self-determined, what that looks like? Yeah. Uh, you know, glad you brought this up. You know, I think maybe the best way to start is to, for me to describe what I think a self-determined student looks like. Um, and so that might be the clearest way to define it. So you, know, you picture a student who has a very good understanding of who they are as a unique person, right? They know what they like about themselves, what they're good at, um, their, their skills and talents, if you will. They have opportunities to try new things uh, and to learn more about themselves. A self-determined student uh, finds ways to communicate with others so they can form those social relationships that are so important to all of us, right? If someone has challenges using speech and language, they should have access to alternative ways of communicating, um, like assistive devices or sign language. Um, you know, a self-determined student is able to make those life choices about every aspect uh, of their life and to communicate this with others. Um, they're able to tell people what they want, what they don't want. In other words, I'm going to go out and say it. I think self-determination is a human and a civil right hmm. to be your own person. Often while students are in school, people sort of fixate on their title of student, and they forget that these are living and breathing human beings who have hmm. unique hopes and dreams. And, of course, each of us has our strengths and we have our unique challenges, so it's, it's really important that we teach our, our kids, starting very young, how to understand and talk about their challenges. Uh, th and, and this is why, Kyle, I want to emphasize this. This is why I think every student with a disability, beginning at an early age as possible and in a way that's appropriate to their age, be able to learn about their disability diagnosis and be able to explain to others how their disability affects them. You know, it's not about disclosing personal private health information. It's about being able to see that my disability is just one aspect of me. And here's some ways that I learn best. And here's how you can provide me with the supports and accommodations I need. A little, a little side note um, to everyone that's listening. I think by middle school at the latest, every student with a disability should be able to advocate for themselves in any way possible. This is part of self-determination. And when you get out into the world after high school, whether it's job or a college or a training program, uh, just about any activity in daily life, you need to be able to ask for the help that you need. And if you don't do this, decisions are going to be made for you. And if you're a student or a family member uh, who's dealing with a complex disability or you have challenges communicating, we have to find some creative ways to make the person feel respected as a, a unique human being and to be able to somehow express their preferences and make choices. And before I forget, one of your handouts is uh, something I call a positive personal profile and or P3, we're starting to call it now. It's a great activity to do with every student in our schools. Uh, the P3 highlights all of the things that indicate a self-determined person. And it generates a lot of ideas of how you can support the student to achieve their goals. And it also makes them feel good, you know, to see that they have wonderful attributes to build on, that people think highly of them. Um, and they also showcase things or deficits that need fixing, right? If I could blink and make something happen for all students, they would all have a positive personal profile. And that's a shameless plug for a product <laughs> that is available for everyone at no cost. <laughs> Oh, goodness, George. So uh, George is mentioning like these resources. I, I want you to know 
he is hooking you all up. He's 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 sent a ton That's of right. things. Uh, and, and I'm going to list everything down in the show notes so you can hook up with all these great resources that he's providing down there. You, you were kind of hitting on something, the importance of learning to advocate as a process. And it, I often go back to this, really setting the groundwork is helping kids understand themselves. What are their strengths? What are the areas they need to work on? And helping them figure out themselves and then eventually them getting to the point where they know what works for them and they know what their strengths are and they also know what they need in order to be successful. But that's a process to get them there. And once they get there, the idea of them advocating for all those things that they know they need to be successful is a big, big key component to, to students moving on and adults moving on to be successful in life beyond school. So one of the key things that I picked up way back when I started working with you was so many organizations, uh, community organizations and agencies are available to work with students and families. And this was really eye-opening to me. Could you just kind of let us in a little bit on, you know, who it is that, that we can link up with and how we can connect with some of these organizations? It was really big yeah. component of, you know, student success and family success as a whole. Sure. Um, Kyle, I, I'm so glad you, you brought this up uh, so that your listeners can help us spread the word about these fabulous resources uh, for students and families that are out there in the, or in the communities. Um, you know, these organizations play a, a, an important role in transition to future life beyond high school so that we need to get the word out to families as early as possible. Yeah, there are too many to identify here. So I'm, I'm, what I, I thought I'd do is just mention the larger agencies and then encourage people to become familiar with them and to talk with representatives. Uh, and these agencies can then let people know about, you know, those smaller independent community-based organizations. So, and, and by the way, those, those smaller providers don't do a small job. They do a huge job. They offer many services to people with disabilities um, who want to go into specific career fields or looking for job seeking help uh, to those who are interested in going to college and finding financial help for college as well as accommodation support, or those who are just looking for uh, job training opportunities, assistance, uh, places to live, how to get around. Financial literacy is a big, big deal these days. How to understand your social benefits if you receive them. Um, how to find health care and mental health care services. And there's so many other supports out there for all the life domains. And Many of your listeners, uh, I'm sure, have heard of the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation, also known as DVR. Right. Uh, anything related to work and training for work, DVR is an amazing resource for all students with disabilities and their families. Well, they, they need to, to know about them. Uh, for students in middle school and up, DVR provides a wide range of what we call pre-employment transition services, or pre-ETS for short. And pre-ETS focuses on career exploration essentially in workplace readiness skills. We don't have time to give you all the details about pre-ETS, but I encourage your listeners to contact their local DVR rep to learn more. And if you're in your junior year of high school and you're thinking about your career or, and or going to college or trade training, you definitely want to find out if you're eligible for DVR services. If, if you are, put in an application. Again, I'm going to say, put in an application. You don't want to miss out on this amazing resource if you're qualified for it. An another important agency that helps many people with disabilities who may need long-term support 
uh, to meet their adult needs is the Division of Developmental Disability Services, or DDDS. That's a mouthful there. But every <laughs> parent and caregiver of a student with a disability should learn all they can as early as possible about this agency. Find out if you qualify for services. And if you do, get your application in. Like I said, ask your school to help you with the application process. There's lots of people who will help you if you ask them to help you. And as with DVR, DDDS is able to connect with any number of community-based vendors who can provide great direct supports. And I want to mention if your student has uh, vision challenges, the Division for the Visually Impaired, or DVI, in Delaware is a must-check-out resource. And again, it, there's too little time to give equal time to the many, many wonderful resources out there in Delaware. The main thing, find out who's out there, what they do, and if there would be a good match for you. If so, get your application in. And the, the final point I want to make is while students are in pre-K through high school, the law says they're entitled to free and appropriate education, right? Once they make their transition out of their high school years, services are not automatic anymore. In fact, you have to find out if you're first eligible and then apply. The word apply, application, apply, application. So important here. Unlike public education, there's no guarantee of services after high school. This is why it's critical to start the conversations with all potential community partners at an early age. I'll tell you, I, I wanted to have you. I wanted to have you on the show because I really figured that you would be able to provide some some really valuable information. You have not disappointed, George. Uh, <laughs> You've not disappointed at all. It's dropping knowledge like crazy. Uh, before we start to, to slide this down and wrap this up, the parents play the parents and caregivers play a really key component in this process. Uh, what kinds of I- ideas or, or uh, advice do you have as far as how they go about supporting their son or their daughter in, in this transition process? Well, gosh, that could be hours and hours of good <laughs> conversation, Kyle. Let me give some suggestions in a nutshell uh, for the purposes of, of our discussion here. First and foremost, hats off to all parents and people who play the parenting role for our students. Right. Hats off. I mean, you've been the very first teacher of your kids. You know them in ways that others will never know them. You, uh, you, know, you need to be sure to share your insights about your child's unique talents, their interests, their dreams, and their support needs with the professionals, right? Let them know you want to be a partner in celebrating successes and building on strengths and finding creative solutions together to challenges. One of my handouts is an article I, I put together for parents and caregivers with ideas for how to help your student in their career exploration and job search. That's just one area. But please work with others to help your child as at an early age as possible to understand their disability, what it means to them, what helps them. Bring them in as part of the IEP team. And this is a great opportunity to, uh, on this podcast here. You know, even little children can attend a small portion of their meeting to reinforce the idea that this is their show. As they get older, they can be taught how to participate more actively in their IEP process. And many are certainly going to be able to lead the discussions. I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, students with disabilities leading the discussion and setting the tone about their, their IEP. And it's, it's an empowering thing for these students and their parents and for the, for the staff, right? Yeah. Yeah. As a famous disability rights advocate once said, nothing about me without me. Huh. And one note, if a, if a listener knows a parent out there who's struggling for whatever reason, 
please reach out to them and offer to connect them with supports. We really do need that village. But right. kudos to, to the parents and the caregivers out there. Yes, absolutely. I will second that. And I think our listeners know how I feel about the importance of our school systems, and in this case, our community organizations, everybody working with parents, caregivers, and, and the kids. Everybody collectively is a team, and the team is stronger yep. when we've got everybody working together and rowing the boat together. So really good stuff, George. And like I said, I, I, I knew you'd come on and drop a bunch of wisdom, and, and I'm not surprised. It just, it, it, you just continue to impress. It's a, it just, it, you're an impressive person, George. Oh, thank you. You're good for my ego. <laughs> uh, uh, real quick before we get out of here, could, if anybody wants to, to connect with you, um, you know, how could they go about reaching out to you? Oh, a- absolutely. You know, in, in all of those handouts I gave you, one, one of them, actually, there are two, two of my biographies. One is my work biography and one is my, my avocation biography with the theater. But um, you have my email, you have my phone number and website, and I invite your listeners uh, to contact me. I'm always happy to chat with anyone about uh, you know, their, their thoughts about transition and other life issues related to that. Uh, when you contact me, be sure to, to, to let me know that you listen to this podcast. So <laughs> I'll know, aha, that's, that's how you heard about me. And uh, Kyle, I, I really appreciate the chance to be with you, buddy. Um, this is awesome. Yeah. You do great work. Oh, thanks, George. Thanks, George. And it, I will say, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes many times. George will take his time to talk to anybody. It doesn't matter if you've got zero knowledge on special education or special education services or anything transition service related. He does not care. He will take the time to talk to you. That's staff, that's parents, that's students, and everybody in between. George Tilson, you're awesome, man. You're awesome. The world is a better place with George Tilson. Thanks for jumping on with me, George. You bet. Thanks, Kyle, so much. Party time. It's like... Sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. I'm watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last Christmas. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.